God's love is amazing. I, I love the fact that I am loved by God. That is a good thing. It is a good thing to, be, to receive God's love. Thank you. Now, your eyes do not deceive you even though you're on one less hour of sleep. I am not Greg Boyd. Um, he's sick. He's sick. I, 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 he didn't sound too good. So, uh, you know, preaching three services this weekend wouldn't work for him. So uh, I'm getting to share the, today the word of the Lord with you. And I'm going to be able to participate with you in the Lord's Supper, communion. We're going to be taking that later. I am so thrilled to, I love leading services where we get to take communion together. Because we're talking about communing with God, relating to God, and this is an awesome thing. And it's just a, it's a wonderful thing to, to be in the presence of God together and, and, and get to know Him. Holy God, we invite you into this room this morning. Because today is not about singing songs. It's not about sermons. It's not about even having our needs met. It's about meeting with you. It's about allowing you to touch us. It's about allowing you to speak to us. It's about allowing you to set us free. And we invite you to do that. We invite you to do what only you can do. Because we need what only you can give. So right now we pray for the person on our right. And we pray that you would reveal your truth about how they are accepted by you. How they are your child of God. How they've been set free by the, your work on the cross and how you have brought victory into their lives by the, your resurrection from the dead. I thank you, God, for every person here in this room. I pray for the person on our right that they would have a, a knowledge of you and know you and know that they are set free in you. We pray for the person on our left. Right now, we pray that if there is anything that binds them, if there is anything that's kept them in bondage, that you would set them free. For sickness this morning, we release your healing into this room and ask you to bring healing to people who are sick this morning. We pray for Greg that you would heal him. God, I pray that you would uh, release into this room your, heal your, your healing by the power of the Spirit. We invite you to bring healing to our hearts where there is rejection, where there is depression, where there is isolation, where there is hurt. We ask you to bring healing to those parts of our lives that need healing in, 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 our, in our hearts, in our, in our emotions. Bring healing in Jesus' name. We pray that you'd bring restoration to relationships in this room. Where there are marriages on the skits, Lord, we pray that you'd bring restoration and reconciliation and humility to those, those situations. We pray that you would bring restoration to families where there is or there are people who are running away from you and there are hurting hearts in this room, we pray that you bring and draw those people back to you in Jesus' name. We pray for finances, God, that people in this room, the person on our left, would be blessed by you. Blessed so that they can be a blessing in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would walk in your kingdom and choose to walk in different ways and that you'd bring newness to our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to imagine that you are at a restaurant, a nice restaurant, and you are, you are with your 10 closest friends, and you're hanging out, and you're chatting, and talking, and, and laughing, and having a great time. And then suddenly, the entire room goes, hush. 
And you're, you're like, what's going on? Your back's to the door. You don't see what everybody else saw. And you turn around. And in walks the most, one of the most famous persons in town. You know, there are a lot of infamous and famous people from this town. And I'm not going to name any of them. But one was a politician a few years ago. And others a singer. And some of those kind of famous people. Uh, purple houses make you kind of famous. But, uh, but just imagine someone famous walks into, your, into this restaurant, and it doesn't matter whom. But whenever someone famous walks into a room, for whatever reason they're famous, everything changes. People are curious. Why are you here? Who are you with? You think I can get his autograph? And someone bold enough, you'll see someone sneak over there bold enough or just maybe crazy enough. Do you mind? And they do this, roll their eyes, and they sign it. And, you know, but you're, the rest of the evening, you're kind of distracted by what's going on over there. Why are they here? What's this? It just changes the atmosphere of the room. 2,000 years ago, there was someone who changed the atmosphere of the room when he walked in. Jesus, when he walked into someone's house, when he walked into someone's synagogue, when he walked anywhere into the temple, things changed. Last week, we heard this story about Matthew. Uh, Luke calls him Levi. He went by both names. Matthew was a tax collector and how he threw a banquet for Jesus. When Jesus was there at this party, things changed. Now, things changed around Jesus for a different reason than things change in our circles today when famous people walk into the room. Usually when famous people walk into a room, they walk into respectable places, upscale places. They're there because of their influence or because of the way they dress or because of their power or uh, their titles or because they've sold lots of books or records or they're a movie star. They draw attention to themselves. Jesus was becoming famous for going to the wrong kind of places, for hanging out with people who were outcasts, for hanging out with people who were sinners and tax collectors, people who were rejected by society. Tax collectors were those people in the first century who, uh, the Jewish, they were Jews, but they aligned themselves with the enemy, the Romans. So therefore, they were the scourges of the Jewish society, and Jesus was hanging out with them, and people were wondering, why do you hang out with tax collectors and sinners? They asked this question because Jesus did not fit their expectations. He did not fit their categories. And they were curious. They were distracted. They wanted to know because when Jesus walked into the room, things changed. So they were trying to figure out what's going on with this man. They didn't want his autograph. They just asked him questions because the room was different when Jesus was there. Jesus was doing a new thing in their midst. Now, in the first, if you were a first century Jew, people, you would have been used to new things happening. There were all kinds of people at that time who were standing up and saying, we're going to be a leader in the midst of this society. They were stepping up and trying to do something new all the time. But Jesus was doing a different kind of new. His new didn't fit their expectations. His new was out of their categories. It was out of the box and they were trying to get their minds around this different kind of new because it wasn't the new that they expected. And so they asked him one more question here at this party when he was hanging out with Matthew and his friends and asked him a question to try to figure out what exactly Jesus was doing. And this is where we pick up the story. In Luke chapter 5, 
verses 33 and following, we read, They said to him, John's disciple often fast and pray, and so do the, the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. You see, in the, if you were fast, fasting was a symbol, if you were in, lived in that time, fasting was a symbol of hope and expectation. Fasting was a symbol of, I'm dissatisfied with what I have today, therefore I'm looking for something different the Pharisees and John the Baptist are referenced here in their disciples in saying they fast because they're dissatisfied with what's going on in our culture. They're dissatisfied with what's going on at the temple. They're dissatisfied with what's going on with their relationship with God. And they're hungering for something different. The, dis the disciples of the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist fasted because they were longing for something new. In fact, the, uh, the, the disciples of the Pharisees probably fasted two times every week, every Monday and every Thursday. John the Baptist, we were told earlier in Luke, ate locusts and honey. Well, I like honey, but locusts would make me want to fast. So the disciples probably of John the Baptist fasted also because they were looking for God's deliverance. They were dissatisfied with what they had. They were looking for the Messiah to come. And Jesus says here, when the bridegroom is here, when, you've been, when, you're fast, when what you've been fasting for shows up, there's no need to fast. In other words, the Messiah has come. The new has come. Why do you keep looking for it? I'm in the room. Things have changed. The disciples get it. You don't. They don't need to fast because I'm here, I'm present with you. I'm in the room. When Jesus walks in the room, things change. When Jesus walks into our lives, change things. When Jesus shows up, things change. Everything changes when Jesus walks in the room. Get used to it. Because when Jesus walks into your life, things change. Now, there may have been, you may be at a place... This morning where you are sitting here saying, you know, I am dissatisfied with my life. I'm dissatisfied with things like my addictions. Or I'm dissatisfied with things like my job. And I'm, long, I'm searching out God. I'm seeking God. I'm even fasting sometimes. Or I'm even yearning for God to bring my deliverance. I'm looking for something different in my relationship with my spouse. I'm looking for something different in my relationships at home or with my parents. Or I'm looking for something different in my life because I don't like it. You're hoping for something new and something fresh. Let me say this. When Jesus steps into your life, everything changes. That's what you're looking for, is a relationship, a new avenue, a new connection with Jesus. Because when he steps in there and he pushes the button and says, I'm changing you, everything changes. When the bridegroom steps in and says, hey, I'm here, everything changes. To the point that we don't even know how it fits. We don't know how to respond. We don't know how to, to fit Jesus into it. Because the change that he brings, this different kind of new, is not something that we, you and I can predict. 
We can't say, Jesus, I want you to deliver me in this way. You know, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to confess any sin. I don't want to, you know, admit to anything that I'm doing anything wrong. But, you know, if you could kind of do it quietly where I don't have to tell a friend what's going on, you know, that's, that'd be great. Humility, ah, no, not me. You know, and, and if, if I don't have to change much about my lifestyle after you bring this deliverance into my life, that'd be great too, you know. I mean, I'd like to just kind of be still the same kind of person, but, you know, be happy. You know, I'd like to, you know, be delivered from my financial troubles so that I can have more money. Uh, but, you know, when you deliver me and change that aspect of my life so that I'm free from that debt and all that stuff, you know, I'd really like to just go buy a Hummer and a new house. I don't want to be gracious. You know, I don't really want to, you know, I don't really want to change that much. And Jesus says, no, when I come, everything changes. Everything changes when Jesus comes into the room. Because he brings grace and suddenly your desires change and your hopes change and you say, I want to become gracious. And you start becoming a giver and you want to bless other people, not because you have to, but because you want to. And you think, I can't be that kind of person. I'm, I'm selfish, you know, and I like to have my toys and all this stuff, you know. But God says, no, I want to bring revelation and change. and re re You become a gracious person and full of life when Jesus walks into the room. This different kind of new is coming. This different kind of new has come. And it came in Jesus. But the reality is that this different kind of new does not fit our expectations. It does not fit our categories. We don't know exactly what to do with it because it's always new. The new that happened yesterday is going to be different than the new that's going to happen tomorrow in your life. In fact, Jesus said this in verses 36 and through 38 in the same chapter. He said, he told them a parable. He says, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch on an old one. If they do, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new one will not match the old. And people do not pour wine into old wineskins. If they do, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the skins, wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Now, what does that have to do with the price of bread in China? I mean, it's like reading poetry. I don't know if you had to read poetry in high school or whatever, and you get to the end of the poem and you're like, huh? As we'd say in Texas, what in the world does that mean? My accent does come out every now and then. For those of you who don't know, I come from Texas. So, uh, the, the, the reality is Jesus was using some cryptic language here that, was a, that resembles poetry. And he's trying to say to them something to the effect of this new thing, this different kind of new, you cannot fit into your boxes. He said it would be a little bit like, if we were to put it into modern day vernacular, buying a new wool sweater. And then recognizing that you've got an old pair of dirty work jeans with a hole in them. And you say, okay, I'm going to patch that. And you go and pull out this new wool sweater and you patch your jeans with this sweater. That makes no sense. Jesus is saying, it's absurd to put me into your categories. It's absurd to put me within the temple. It's absurd to put me within your expectations. Because it's a different kind of new. 
And it says here also about the talk, we hear about the wine and the wineskins and about how wine is poured into an old, new wine is poured into an old wineskin, and if you do that, it will burst. And you're like, why? That doesn't make any sense because we don't use wineskins like they did in the first century. Well, when you poured wine into a wineskin, it would expand with fermentation. And it, a, a new wineskin would expand with it. But if you pour new wine into an old wineskin, it's already expanded. So if you cause it to expand more, it's going to burst and the wine is ruined. If we try to force Jesus into our old patterns, it'll burst us. We can't handle Jesus that way unless we allow him to change us. Unless we allow him to change us from the inside out. He's too gracious to burst us. He wants to give us a whole new way so that we can handle him. So that we can receive him. So that we can receive his new deliverance. So that we can receive his new forgiveness. So that we can receive his new blessings. Because his grace is new and fresh. He does not fit. It's a different kind of new the ways that God has worked in the church or in your life, in the history of your walk with Christ or in the history of your parents with Christ will not contain what God wants to do in your life and in this church today. It's going to look different. I don't care how great your grandparents' church was. I don't care how great your church was in your childhood. You cannot yearn and go back to that because God is doing a new thing. God is working in new ways. And are we going to go with him? Because when Jesus shows up, everything changes. When Jesus shows up, that's all that matters. When Jesus shows up, your life is free. About uh, when I was in my mid-20s, I was going through this bout of depression. I was, at that point in my life, really analytical, self-analytical, and, and, and self-condemning. I was always afraid of making mistakes and doing something wrong, and, and it just became... I, I became like a dog chasing its tail. And I couldn't break the cycle. And I was afraid to break the cycle because I, I thought if I don't somehow get a beyond my problems and beyond my issues, I'm never going to do right or please anyone. Or, and so I was just frustrated and tired and overwhelmed with this depression. One day, I was out with some of my friends and we went driving through the countryside and just doing crazy fun stuff you do and it was just we were laughing and cutting up and we ended up at our uh, where we all graduated from college and uh, we just happened to just arrive there as we were meandering through the countryside and we decided to go through the, go to the chapel there on the campus and I thought I'll be honest with you I was thinking I don't really want to go pray I'm depressed why would I want to go pray? I don't want to think about it. I don't, want to, I don't want to consider the way my life is. I don't want to be serious. I'm kind of enjoying being, you know, lighthearted today. But I thought, you know, they're all going there, and I better go with them because being by myself is kind of not a good thing when you're depressed. So we were hanging out and praying. It was just a kind of a low-key evening, and... and about midway through the time together, I just sensed the Spirit of God whisper in my ear, it's over. I knew what I heard, and I knew what it meant immediately. Because inside my gut, 
I started laughing. I don't know if you've ever had a belly laugh to the point of hurting, where you just start laughing and laughing and laughing. And I knew that I was free because I saw that Jesus had come into the room and I was changing. I was changing from the inside out. It wasn't something where I was thinking, I've got to get rid of the depression and I've got to make this happen and I've got to grind it out so that I don't, I'm not depressed anymore. No, it was a different kind of new where Jesus came into the room and said, you're free. And I started laughing and I knew that I didn't have to put up with the depression anymore. Now, I don't know why. I really don't know why it happened that night. I don't know why it took that long. All I know is it happened. And I knew from then on because that I was going to be free. And from that point, I had temptations to get back into that pattern and chase my tail and become depressed again. Satan would whisper in my ear, you know, you messed up. And I would go, no. Jesus came into the room. And he'd come back later and say, what about this problem? Let's analyze that. And i say, no, he came into the room and I'm different now because the new kind of change, the different kind of new has come upon me. And I don't have to put up with it anymore because Jesus came in the room. Has Jesus come into the room of your heart? Has Jesus come into the room of the places of your heart where there's darkness? I think there are a couple of reasons why it took me so long to get over that and, and, and receive what Jesus had for me. I don't know if these are the only two. I just think there are a couple of them. I can't define all the reasons why it happens at certain times. But I think there are a couple of things that distracted me from receiving what God, the, receiving what God wanted to give me, from receiving the freedom that God wanted to give. Two distractions I want to point out. The first one Luke actually talks about here in verse 39. Jesus says, And none of you, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for you say the old is better. The first distraction I want to point out is that of comfort. The old is a place of comfort. Do you realize that you can even become comfortable in your depression? You can become satisfied with that depression. You can become satisfied with your financial difficulty. You can become comfortable with your marital problems. You can become comfortable with the stress within your family and say, this is just who we are. I've got a temper. That's just who I am. I can't change. You can't do anything about it. You know, I just, I'm slow on the uptake and I can't hear God's voice. You know, that's just who I am. All these things that we say about ourselves that we define ourselves and put ourselves in a box and say this is who I am I can't step out of this this is my identity we become comfortable there and whenever something new comes in we go whoa I don't necessarily like that you know I I hear you God you know you want to you want to speak to me tonight but it's two o'clock in the morning I I don't pray I'm not a spiritual person I don't, I don't step out of my bounds here. You know, that's, can I go back to sleep now? I don't talk to you like that. That's what spiritual people do. That's what, you know, those people who, you know, do those kinds of things do. But me, I got to work tomorrow. You know, I don't 
do things like serve my neighbor. Didn't you see what he did last week? He put, his dog pooped on my yard and he didn't pick it up and I stepped in it. I can't love that person. And my boss, he's a jerk. You know, I don't do something new and radical like actually show love and compassion toward him because he's hurting because his marriage is going through the skids. You know, that's outside my parameters. This is who I am. I don't do that kind of stuff, even though I think you're asking me to do it. This is my rut. This is where I feel comfortable. This is what I do. And this hinders us from receiving the freedom that that God wants to bring. I was in a rut when I was in that depression where I thought, you know, I don't want to go pray. I don't want to hang out and do that kind of stuff. And I was just, again, a dog chasing its tail, and I had to hang out with those friends and, and have the tail chopped off where I couldn't chase it anymore. And said, Jesus walked into the room then and said, things are different now. Things are different now. This distraction of comfort can distract us because we're in love with the old, we're in love with the patterns that we know, we're in love with what we know, and we don't want to break out of it. There's a second distraction I'd like to point out, and it's the distraction of excitement. This is almost the opposite of the first one, and this distraction of excitement comes from the love of the new and the next. This love of new things coming out. I call this sermon a different kind of new, primarily because there are some people in this room who love new stuff so much that whenever the word new is used, you you just go, sign me up. (laughs) Whatever's new, if if it's radical, if it's different, if it's just sign me up, I'm going to go for it. This is a different kind of church, therefore I'm going to go to it. Different kind of worship, I'm going to go. Greg Boyd is a different kind of preacher, I'm going to come. And we fall in love with the new and the next. And we fall in love with the fresh things because we live in a society where we make everything expendable. If you don't like your house, just knock it down and build a new one. If you don't like your friends, just get rid of them and get a new one. You can get them online. You can get them anywhere. Friends, are, we just exchange them for, you know, for, they're like commodities. The, 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 we, we have, want a new car? Let's get a new car. You know, I, I, it's great. You, you, you're in love with your new car until the next model comes out. You're like, ooh, that's a cool idea. I never thought about that one. Jobs are expendable. Spouses, ooh, won't go there. <laughs> Computers, you may have bought a computer this week. Well, guess what? It's obsolete. <laughs> Worthless. Unless, of course, it's a Mac. (laughs) I had to throw that in there. You know, we we live in a society where we have contentment through a catalog. You know, often you find yourself maybe satisfied with the things you have in your house and how you decorate your walls or the little trinkets that are on your tables until the next Pottery Barn catalog comes. (laughs) You think, I just got to have it! You know, it's like we feed this incessant need to have the new and the next... You know, our youngest son is two years old, and now that we're pregnant again and, and, and going to be happy, well, Shauna's actually the one pregnant, I'm not. Uh, 
Uh, but we're getting, you know, getting, preparing and thinking your mindset changes and you look at the baby stuff and I'm like, in a matter of two years, I don't know where they get the creativity to come up with new stuff for babies who don't care what they sleep in. I mean, it's crazy what our society, it's new and the next is coming along and we can't keep up with it. And this mindset can distract us and even seep into our walk with God. We go to the bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and we say, oh, there's my answer. And we look and say, that's the program that's going to set me free. We're always, we're looking for something new and fresh. And if I just pray this way, or if I just do this, if I, maybe, if I, I pray the prayer of Jabez. Although that's not new, that was a few years ago. It's worthless now, don't buy that book. I'm kidding, it's actually a pretty good book. But we, 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 we're looking for a, a coin to drop in the slot and say, Maybe if I just do this new thing or go to this conference or go to that, go to that new, uh, uh, what do you call them? They're, they're concerts. There you go. Uh, you go to that concert, I'll, I'll see God. Now, I'm not against any of those things. I'm not against writing books or reading them or going to a concert or listening to a CD. But the answer isn't in any of that stuff. The answer is in Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't show up, the book is worthless. If Jesus doesn't show up at this service, it's, it, what, what are we doing? If Jesus doesn't meet with us, we have a nice worship, we have a good sermon, we go home. But when Jesus shows up, you walk out of these doors different. If Jesus shows up when you walk out of these doors and you go home, things are different there too. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. We're not looking for some kind of quick fix and say, okay, how can I live the Christian life and, and be a better Christian and do this and do that? No, we're looking for Jesus because the bridegroom is the one who makes the party worth going to. When he shows up in the room, everything changes. It's about a relationship with him. The disciples understood this and they knew this, that it was about following Jesus and being with him wherever he was. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a people. We want to be a people here who are just relating to Jesus and being with him and learning to relate to him and know him and allow him to know us. And when we do that, guess what? There are going to be new things that come your way because the disciples had to Give up their jobs to follow Jesus. Some of you may change your job. May, Jesus may come into your life and change something like that. Some of you may change your attitude. He may change your attitudes toward your job, where you're actually a missionary at your job. Some of you, he may just radically call to a new way of living, and you go home one day, and your kids look at you and go, who are you, Daddy? You don't get angry anymore. Wouldn't that be a blessing? You spend time with me now. You hug me. Wow. That's the kingdom. Kingdom in little ways like that because our relationship with Jesus changes us from the inside out and we become new from the inside out. The key question then is how do we begin to walk in this? How do we begin to walk in this relationship with Jesus so that we become marked as a little bit different? Marked as a little bit unusual. The disciples didn't fit their expectations either. They were following someone who was unique and that made them unique. 
Therefore, if we become true followers of Christ, we're going to stand out. We don't have to try to stand out. We don't have to ask ourselves, am I standing out today? You just are going to stand out because you're relating to him. So what are some ways that you and I can begin to be changed by this new kind of different or this different kind of new? Let me give you three. These are just little steps we can take. These are not difficult or big or even new because these are very old. In fact, this whole passage is so simple. It's just about being with Jesus. The first one is recognize your distractions. Are you the type of person who gets stuck in your rut? And you, you like your pattern. You, you, you've defined yourself and said, this is who I am. Don't change me. God, if you work within my parameters, then I'll accept it. But otherwise, eh, you know, I don't go outside that. If that's you, offer that to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I invite you to challenge me. We all probably have our ruts of some kind. And if you will open your eyes this week, he will enter your life in a new way, in a different kind of new, and invite you to participate with him in something different. The second thing I would like you to, to consider is to cultivate the practice of waiting. This is not something our culture gives us or hands us. We have a culture full of noise. We have a culture full of overwhelming information. I was stuck in the uh, Atlanta airport trying to get back to Minneapolis-St. Paul when the big snowstorm hit a couple of weeks ago and when we closed the services and such. Uh, and I, so I got to sleep in the Atlanta airport all night because I, was, I only had about four or five hours, and I thought it's really kind of crazy to go to a hotel and sleep for three and try to get back up here on a, and get a flight at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I slept the night there, and I was just overwhelmed and bombarded with CNN and everything I could possibly want to know about Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> Holy cow! I'm like, what do I do with this? I couldn't avoid it. TV's everywhere telling me about this woman and her life that was suddenly just plastered over. I didn't have any choice. Our culture is so inundated us with information, it is really not necessary, that we have to choose to create silence. If you don't choose to create those places of silence where you can connect with God, you're not going to get it. It's not just going to come your way. We have to create a place and cultivate a practice of waiting on Him. And I encourage you to do that. Sometimes you just, when you're going home, you just need to turn off KTIS. It's great music, Christian music, whatever, if you like it. But sometimes we just need to say, God, I'm going to connect with you. Because we can be distracted by even good Christian things that come our way. Because it's about Jesus. It's not about good Christian things. The third thing I want to challenge you with this morning is remember. Remember. This is what we're going to participate in together as we take communion. And I want you to enter into this right now with me. I, want you to, I invite you to close your eyes. And across this room, I want you to remember...
Remember what God has done in your life. Think about what he has set you free from. Consider how your life used to be and how it's different now. Whether it's something major or something minor that God has done in your life, I want you to remember that. I invite you to consider where you'd be without him. If he hadn't walked into the room, but he did, and everything changed. Then I want you to remember this image. 2,000 years ago, there was a man, a Jewish man, who was beaten to the point that no one could recognize him as a man. And he walked out of Jerusalem carrying a heavy cross. People whipped him and mocked him as he walked up a hill. And then they nailed him to that cross. Dropped it in the ground. And on that Friday afternoon, he died. Why? So that new or that different kind of new could come into your life. So that you could be new, so that you could be free, so that you can walk in victory. So that you can... Remember what you have been and recognize that's not you anymore because Jesus walked into the room. Remember that he rose from the dead so that you can be filled with his life and full of life and joy and peace. Remember what he has done because the victory has come. The victory has come. Remember what he has done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. And after this song, we're going to be dismissed. And I just want to say, if, if you want to uh, receive this new thing that Jesus has done in our lives, I, I, and, and you say, for the first time, I want to become a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come back to the community kiosk in the, in the back. And we just invite you to connect with us there, and we'd be glad to give you a gift. And if you want prayer at the, after this song, there'll be prayer teams at the front who, who can minister to you. And just, or if you just want to come and kneel at the altar, feel free to do so. Be blessed in Jesus' name. And please stand with us as we worship with this last song.